Hello again. My name is Nicholas McInerney, writer, teacher, podcaster, and Rainbow Dad. Together with Richard Shannon, I produced the first series of Rainbow Dads in 2019. We had an amazing response from you, our listeners. The podcast introduced us to some wonderful LGBT plus organisations, earned several nominations and even won an award. But most moving was the sense that the lives we were sharing included yours. You weren't alone. So here we are with series two of Rainbow Dads. Four interviews, four dads, four extraordinarily different stories. These include coming out in the army, struggling with sex addiction, how a love of cricket led to self-acceptance, and how being a gay dad becomes a lot more complicated when you also have a gay dad. Once again, we hope you find in these stories both the big events and the small but illuminating details, a mirror. We hope you enjoy Rainbow Dads too. Hello and welcome back to Rainbow Dads. My Rainbow Dad uh, on this programme is Nick Mates. Hi Nick. Hello, afternoon. Good. So Nick, I, this is the question I'm asking all my new Rainbow Dads because I find it a really helpful way to start the conversation. I'd like you to give me just five words that you think best describe you. Okay, five words, that's just interesting. Five words. Uh, outgoing. Mm-hmm. Uh, confident. Curious, open-minded, and perspective. Perspective, excuse me. Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. What do you mean by perspective? Just uh, maybe things to being curious. Just my ability to just bring balance and thought to things. Okay. Um, so you're both curious and uh, um, uh, and and want to find out about things but you're able to bring a sense of perspective to mm, what you discover. yeah pull on knowledge experience information around me to help me give me a bit of a, a viewpoint I and think. where do you think that's come from growth I think um, life in general I don't think I had as much of that years back I think it's come over time yes through just general life and growth as a human being I think I suppose, in a sense, one will be worried if one didn't have a little bit of perspective mm. as you go older. But yes, I think you're right. Mm. I think life is a habit of um, humbling, being quite humbling at times. Yeah, I agree. I think so. And as the Buddha said, there is no knowledge without suffering. Mm. That's the only way that you grow. So it's, that's a very interesting, because that's a lovely, that kind of balances with the confidence and the and the outgoing curiosity. Mm. So there's both an, a kind of extrovert quality and an introverted quality as well. Yeah, definitely. And I think I'm I'm extroverted in my personality, my behaviour, but I'm also very introverted in the sense of I do go quite within and I think a lot yes. and process things quite a lot as well. Okay, yeah. good. Let's start with your um, background. Mm. You said you had a twin brother. Tell me a bit about your childhood Childhood was really great, really. Um, had loving family, brought up in, I suppose, what I class as a very traditional family unit, really. Um, mum and dad, me and my twin brother, I had a, 
older stepsister um, who in my early young, well, younger years she wasn't around in the same environment due to she lived elsewhere but um, so yeah had a really loving family unit really your traditional just where were you where were you brought up so London South London yeah Greenwich Brixton Peckham New Cross so yeah very much a sort South of London. South London boy really so you're growing up twin brother any sense that you were different or any sense of you were gay uh, anything difference no um it wasn't until I was in my sort of 12 12 13 I started to sort of think something was going on um and it, it's interesting when I sort of told my story to David and there was a sort of piece there that I'd completely forgotten um, yes which was the piece where I was going to a local swimming baths at a weekend and stuff started to happen um how old would you have been then 12 yeah. 13 maybe um but I'd, I'd completely sort of taken that memory away really um yeah. so that, that had happened in in those years but I hadn't really connected it with anything if that makes sense. Yes. So you, you, it was a memory that you retrieve that you mm. come back to you. Yeah. Which is very vivid. Um, and that memory of that person is very, very clear in my mind. Um, uh-huh. And when I look back, I look at my life now and the type of people I go for, I'm attracted to, it's very much like that person, That's which interesting. is interesting in itself. It kind of set a, a, set a mm. pattern. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah. I, some of my first sexual experiences were at swimming pools mm. and things, and so there's something very eroticized about that whole environment. Mm. And I was at a boarding school, and I remember I was at a prep school, and we had to swim naked, and all of that kind of. So is that kind of whole area mm. is quite, um, as I said, it's quite charged. Mm. Just the physique of the type of person that I would go mm. for, or. The, the love for speedos and, and lycra and, and some of those things actually through my sexual life is a key part of what I enjoy um, to the type of guy that I would go from where they sure. might come from. So it, it's just interesting how it's sort of played through in a very more subtle way. Um, it is interesting. find who I go for. Was it that one experience? It was more than once yeah. with the same person over a period of time. Um, that's quite formative, though, isn't it? That yeah. really feels like that's like s- establishing a template I, I and so. kind of imprinting on you something. Yeah, because the, the type of guy that I will go for, the physique, the look, the attribute—it's—it's it's very much based on that that, yeah. that experience, I suppose, rather than that individual as such. Um, but I just find it interesting that I had forgotten that moment, and I don't—I don't look back and go that was a sexual moment because it didn't, didn't define me. And my gay journey. I don't really think I was gay, or I didn't associate gayness with that. Yes. I don't know why, but I, I didn't. It wasn't like, oh, I'm now a gay man because I carried on quite happily without. Yes. Pursuing that path. But it, it was curiosity, though, wasn't oh, it? Oh, totally. I, I was curious. Yeah. Yes. I yes. was attracted to. I was intrigued by. Yes. So I think that curious element of me, yeah, that was there at that point of life. So something was going on for me where I was a sort of doing something that was trying to explore something. Yes, and doing something that was very individual, personal to yourself, yeah. And also quite risky, I I think, looking back. Were you aware, do you think you were aware of danger when you were? No, not at all. And I think someone asked me this question before around sort of the appropriateness of it. Older man, me in my sort of, well, 12, 13, which is not appropriate. 
but I didn't see it in that way yeah. at all. It was more my curious side, just wanting to explore something. I didn't feel that I was, I don't know, inappropriately handled or abused. It was none of yes. those things at all. Yes. Um, which is interesting itself, but I, ha I hadn't seen it. I wasn't seeing it in that way at all. It was me driving the need to explore. I mean, you were, you were being proactive. You're the one that oh, were. Oh, of course. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. When I was at a boarding school and I was having a number of sort of liaisons with, with, with fellow pupils and the kind of, you know, mutual masturbation of the toilets was not something that was mm. I ever saw as being abusive in any way. Although I was technically, I suppose, a bit like you. I had one incident when somebody dragged me off and, you know, shoved their hand down my trousers. But of course, part of me was very excited by all of that. Mm. And that's that kind of, that's the, uh, the kind of chaotic nature of sexual desire. Of course. What it does to you and how it plays with, with, with all of those things, which is really interesting. I have a note here. You said, didn't associate with being gay. I'm assuming that's you're talking about that particular experience. Yeah, it was yeah. part of that. I did, uh, and that pretty come, yeah, pretty around about that time where I just didn't really associate myself with gayness, maybe, or, or the gay world. And I think as things did progress a bit after that point probably not at that moment probably a few years later when my feelings and emotions started to more sort of come to the forefront a bit and I was I was probably then more aware there was something there but I couldn't identify myself with what I saw as gay world at that moment so would you been would it have upset you had you been caught with that person did you think about the consequences in that sense not at all no no, no I didn't think about that one little bit really um uh, and that scenario wasn't a scenario that I would have been ashamed of, but I suppose being caught as somebody at that age, it would have been a big thing and it would have been a huge issue for other people around me, my family, etc. Yes. Um, but I think it was more later into my sort of mid-teens where I knew something was going on, but I couldn't work out what that was. I was being more attracted to guys, but I just didn't associate myself with what I class at the time, a very seedy lifestyle. Right. So all I could see was a very dark, CD side of being gay. I couldn't see a a normal side, and I, that's my own word. I couldn't see a side yes. that I could recognise myself in. So I can't be gay then. That's not who I am. I'm not a gay guy. So you associated gayness with a kind of sleazy seediness. Totally. That, that, that's all I could connect with at the time. And whether or not that's what I saw around me, whether that was on TV, or oh, I'm not sure, but I just couldn't see a part of my life that yeah. I could identify with potentially. And it has to be said that kind of any gay it, characters, people, personalities on television tended to come from a particular type of gay depiction, weren't they? I mean, it oh, tended... Oh, potentially, yeah. yeah. Yeah, maybe more of a, a more camp type yes, of yeah. persona maybe, and people on telly at the time maybe, or in the media, or, or well-known were probably more of that nature potentially. So, yeah, I just couldn't identify with, with that. So I think... I somehow without realizing it i was very much like well i can't be gay then because i'm not i'm not in that world so i'm i'm a straight man yeah um, were you um experimenting with girls at the same time what, what was not really no i've only ever had one girlfriend um right. who'd become a wife um, wow so yeah i mean i had what a girlfriend at um at secondary school um be before the, the 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 person i got with but yeah i was never really attracted to girls were you when you got married? I was just after 20, 21, 22. 
So young. Yeah, very young. Tell um, me about that. Tell me about meeting your wife and getting married. And so we had met at school since we were seven. Um, we went to different secondary schools. So our paths sort of went off in different directions. Um, and then our paths come back together again through uh, a friend of mine uh, who was dating her, really. Um, and ironically, she left him for me which was quite bizarre really how that happened um and then only four or five weeks later he came out as being gay um believe okay. it believe, <laughs> believe it or not um we got together and i suppose at that point and this was we got together when i was sort of 15 16 really right. um but he was very feminine very camp at, at school but not in a in a gay way i'd say i'd describe it as it was just he was the person i knew at school and it was just him you know mm. um but it's interesting how that he went off on that path we got together and before i knew it i was on this sort of conveyor belt really of right we're together got engaged and um yeah and the, and the plan to then get married really so so a whole set of expectations kicked yeah, in. Yeah, totally kicked in really, really quickly at a very young age. But it, it never felt as though it was rushing away too fast. It just felt as it was a normal a normal thing, really. Um, I'd left school, gone to college for a year, and then I got myself into my career. I was really focused at a very young age at sort of getting myself... I, I was very sort of work-hard type ethic, really. Then got engaged, I think, around about 17, um, with then plans to then get a... A mortgage who decided to get engaged who asked who my wife asked me yeah um which is really interesting i wasn't really i wasn't not against it but i wasn't like feeling my, like i needed my, my wife asked me so. I, I wasn't feeling and she asked me when it was a leap year so in theory a leap year so did she, so did my wife i was gonna mention her name there but so did my, it was my a reason wife. for her to yes. to ask me really there you go um, uh, uh, and interesting that sort of captures her character a little bit really she was very strong and dominant and i and that, that talks to my piece earlier around sort of that more introverted quieter yeah. person that i wasn't strong then as i am now um so yeah we end up on this sort of what i describe as a conveyor belt and whilst that was all happening and being planned and her focused on right the mortgage then getting married yes. and, and and the baby thing was always part of what she wanted and i, I sort of knew that yeah. um but without me probably realizing that i was conforming to what's expected so it's almost like it was like stealth it was almost happening gradually oh totally it's like invasion of the body snatches isn't it when gradually you're sort of taken over and by the time you realize it it's too late it, it, it was too late and i think it got to point especially when we were about well getting married it, it gone so far by that point i was brought up in a very traditional way yeah. um where you stand by your responsibilities obligations so at that point my my view was i need to go through with this but by that by this point before i got married i knew at that point i was gay getting married i can remember my my best man who's a really good friend of mine still today and he said to me he didn't know any of this obviously going on at the time but he said to me are you doing the right thing uh, and in my mind i knew i wasn't doing the right thing but by this point we're now getting married my wife to be was six months pregnant at that point yes uh, my daughter was on the way, so back to my obligations and responsibility was it's not an option now for me to be gay. Yeah. Even though I was starting to, those emotions come back again. It was off the cards, basically. It's fascinating how we regard it as a, as if it's a choice that we mm. can make. I thought it was a choice. Yes. My, I was completely out to my wife when I came. I, it was when, I, when we got married, I thought I was bisexual, and she, when we split up, she thought I'd made a choice to be mm. with her and that I could somehow 
put that gay part of my life in a box and yeah. put it on a shelf and it would just stay there. Yeah. Um, so you got married yeah. and then your daughter pop come your daughter arrives. Yeah, she, How she, was that? It was beautiful. I mean I'm very privileged, fortunate fortunate sounds an awful word to use, but I'm just very privileged to to be a gay guy now with my my daughter. Um and I would not change that for the world. How old is she now? She's twenty one, nearly twenty two wow. um this year. Um so yeah, she she was born um when I was in my literally my early twenties really. Um so we've got a uh, yeah, a really good relationship. It's been a bit up and down over the years, yeah. and we've had our moments and and, and things. Um, so yeah, so got married, baby come along, um, and then sort of. I was say, how long do you manage to stay straight? Well, I, I then <laughs> left the following January. Wow! After she was born, so she was not yeah seven months, eight months born at that point. Um, and I can remember I was in London working in the office up here. And I got on the train and I just thought, I need to do this. Um, I can't live a lie. Um, I realized and accepted that I was gay. And I always describe to lots of people, for me, it was about acceptance. So a lot of people yeah. describe they had fun when they were seven, eight, nine, and did all those things. Okay, I had a few little moments. But for me, I hadn't accepted that in myself. Once I had accepted that in myself, I quickly went into, right, I now need to do the right thing um, by by her even though I knew what that was going to mean for all of us that's very interesting because there are other guys I've spoken to who, for whom the, the the length of time between acceptance and then managing to act on that acceptance yeah. can be months years even mm. but you strike me as somebody who obviously once you made a made a decision about yourself knew that there were certain things that followed on from that decision that you simply couldn't avoid not doing totally and I think that's back to my point earlier when I sort of chose those words really because actually I went straight to a place of right okay I am gay I'm married I now need to do the right thing I accept the situation I've got to face into this and do what the right thing is to do um, so in a funny sort of way it is accepting a responsibility oh totally so yeah. what what was the right thing to do? How did you how did you tell your your ex wife and what was the reaction? So how I did it at the time wasn't the best. I hadn't really I didn't tell her that it was about being gay at, at that moment. But I can remember it was a Friday night. I got on a train from um, from Waterloo, got home back in Kent where I was living at that moment, and I just walked in and said, "I'm leaving. I need to leave this relationship." And yeah, her daughter was sort of seven, eight months at that moment, and it was a really awful way of doing it. I sort of did it in a very hash way, I suppose. Um, well, it was it was sort of honest, but not honest, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. It, I had the courage to go. I've got to say something, yeah. which I hadn't had before. But how it came out. So why why didn't why didn't you tell her that you were gay? Because. It, I, I'm just thinking of her response. Mm. She might have thought, "Is there another woman involved?" Uh, you know, uh, of course. Sorry, I'm being very. It's, yeah, no, it's, it's I, questions yeah. I ask myself, I, and you I, know, I don't I'm know just... the actual answer. All, all I felt, I, I couldn't maybe tell her that, but all I knew was I had to leave. I didn't know how to vocalise the gay part of it. I think was the bit I was uh, struggling with, and it was about six weeks from when I said that. I then went to my parents. So obviously, she stayed at home where we yeah. were, had our place together, and then about six weeks later, I then said, "Well." we need to have a conversation and I then told her and her her relief I suppose you could see the relief of it wasn't about her but also the frustration was then she couldn't fight the situation there was no way that we could come back from that yeah and I think she thought that we could come back from it it was yes. going to be I've gone off for six weeks we're going to go back together if it's another woman she can fight it but once I then said it's about me being gay um she just 
And was that when your parents found out? Yeah, and at that time she came with me to tell my parents. Wow. Um, so it went from a very, yeah, tough situation at those six weeks to very supportive with me, come along to my parents, and and we had that conversation. She sounds like quite um, a woman. In that moment, she yeah. was. Yeah. Yeah. In that moment, I think. I mean, I think that isn't. That's quite a, a generous thing to do. Oh, oh, totally. Yeah. Hundred yeah. percent. Um, and we'd had those years of being together. We'd shared. A lot of our life together that's, already. That's the you know, weirdest so thing is how close you can, intimate you can be with somebody, yeah. and then suddenly you're not with that person, and there's there's a, there's a sense that you're somehow then strangers, but you can't be strangers because they know you. They know you well, of course. So especially well. in those younger years when you're formulating yes. who you are and you're trying to understand yeah. who you are, yeah. and we're both going through those experiences that you go through at that together, together with that part of life, exploring things together. T totally, yeah. and I. To this day, I still love her. Am I in love with her? No, because that in love is different to loving yeah. somebody. Um, but I've always been there for her and always yeah. continue to be there for her. Less so in the last, I don't know, five, six, seven years compared to what it was back in the early sure. days when it all happened. Um, but interestingly, what's held me true in my life today and in the work that I do and the nature of the work that I do these days where I work with lots of individuals and teams, helping teams to be honest yeah. and be open and have conversations is that that right thing of facing into that situation even though it's a tough situation to have that conversation if you can do that you can have any conversation you need to have so so you, you your ability to confront an issue that mm. needs to be confronted has been enha was enhanced by oh. having to deal with that i i think that's totally. absolutely right totally. i think certainly with my in my case as well I sort of have a horror of not confronting things that need mm. to be confronted. And when I'm ever in a situation of advising somebody else, my advice would usually be, well, I understand that you don't, you want the situation to continue, but actually you, it's going to be confronted at some point. So it will be better to do it under these circumstances. Totally agree. Even if sometimes you're not sure how to confront it, yeah. back to my, I'm leaving you, but I didn't really tell you how, because I didn't know how to do it. All I knew I had to do was have the conversation. Yeah. So interesting, when I work with lots of people now, I just talk about, the courage of your convictions to just do what you know is the right thing to do yeah. but let's realize sometimes that doesn't always come out in the right way yeah. with the right context in the perfect situation it just but the ability to do that the um, intention is what it, is important yeah uh, and a big driver of that going back to when i did it was okay i was probably going to saunas at the time then and i used to look at people who i could see who were in there at lunch times doing things behind their wives backs maybe in their 40s 50s yeah. and i just thought this could be me if I don't do what the right thing to do. And that's not fair on me, and it's also not fair on my wife and also fair on my yes. daughter. Um, so one thing that I am I can sit here today and go, I did the right thing then, as much as that was tough. She's moved on, got remarried, have a great relationship with my daughter. Yes, it's rocky at times, but I did the right thing. Yes. I didn't want to be somebody in their 40s, 50s now Well, you gave her options that. by telling her you gave her options to make her decisions about how she wanted her life to go. Of course. And you're absolutely right. Pleasure, yeah. do, pleasure don't water low. Five to seven is known as married man's hour. Well, or, uh, double yeah. hour. <laughs> Two yeah. hours. And that's no judgment of anybody else in that moment going through those situations. Yeah. But for me, I had to do the right thing yeah. at that moment. And that's about acceptance. I accepted it. And very quickly, for me, I was then going straight into right, I accept it what do I now need to do to manage this situation right. was what I went straight towards.